Welcome back, Scripture Bros, Episode 2, continuing the theme of promises in the Bible. Are they for us? <laughs> I love that so much. Are they? Um, okay, so Episode 1 in the books, that was a good one. Episode yeah, 2, enjoyed that. jumping right in. I'm going to go first because I think mine be a, mine might be a little bit longer. And then the effort of trying to keep it under 40, 45 minutes or so, I'm just going to jump in. Am I going to have some aghast moments? Um, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> All right. So we're pretty I, much on the same page on a lot of things. So yeah, it's good to. I am going to be focusing on the book of Romans, Ooh. which is full of promises. Oh, praise God. And this, this, uh, this promise is used so, 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 so much. I think it should be used so 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 much but i think it should be understood even more right even more um and here's the scripture because now that's a word that never Wait. gets yeah roman sorry romans 10 starting in verse 9 9 okay we're gonna go 9 through 11 i believe oh i and have this highlighted it starts with the word because ah. that's interesting like a connector Wait. word yeah, that would mean that you right. would need to read the phrase before that. Correct. So or the like, verse before that. That's a uh, connector word. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For... The scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Have you heard that? I have heard that. Is that a times. popular promise? Yes. Okay. Like a salvation call, like an altar call kind of raise your hand kind of thing. Um, oh, we've heard it, right? Yes. And I'm not even saying uh, it's bad. I'm not even no, saying. No, I, yeah. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not trying to bash an altar call. I, be, I love them. I believe them. I'm not even trying to bash a salvation prayer. Let's do it. But I do want this to be understood by the person saying yes. Feel me? So I want to just break this down. Um, I, I doubt anyone listening to us may not know this, but if you don't, it's for you. Or share it with someone. Like you really want to lead someone in a salvation prayer, this is it. Right. This is it. 100%. And let's figure out what it means so that uh, we're not falsely confirming someone who's not saved. Right. That's the worst thing we can do, bro funny you bring this up is it funny um i would use the word ironic but i don't know uh isn't it ironic <laughs> my friend ben yeah colorado ben uh shout out to him colorado ben when uh <laughs> when i first so he prayed for me for a year and a half before i became saved like he told me i prayed for you every day before you became saved yeah once i became saved he handed me a pocket bible and had taken the time to write out the Romans road nice. so nice. that I would understand what salvation actually yeah, meant. Man. It is big and it is so deep. So amen to that. It like, is wide. Shout yeah. out to Ben, dude. Ben. I love Ben. Good job, Ben. Ben, um, there is a crown in locker seven in heaven for you. <laughs> <laughs> Pick that up on your way. <laughs> crown for Ben. So why don't we go back and read a few verses because it starts off with oh, because. Because. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, if I came up to you and said, because I wanted to, and you're like, what? What <laughs> the heck are you talking about? Let's figure it out. All right. So uh, we love Paul. He writes good things. Let's start in um, 
5. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. I love that. If you're going to keep the law, you got to keep all the law, bro. If you're going to keep one of the law, you got to keep all the law. And, and Paul came to break that. Paul came to say the law was good and it was holy and it was great. But if you want justification and righteousness by that, you better keep every 430 of them perfectly, right? So Paul reiterates that here. The person who does the commandment shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will send into heaven or who will ascend into the abyss. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because, all right. So we have a little bit of a, a pre, pre, whatever. Preamble. Pre-context. <laughs> context to the. So Paul is breaking down, like he always does, the law versus faith, right? The law of, of self-works and self-righteousness and doing everything on your own religiously and blah, blah, blah. And he came to bring a new gospel or the gospel, a, a new way of righteousness, and that's through faith, by grace in Jesus Christ. So it's interesting because he says in verse 6, But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven or who will ascend into the abyss. So the, the righteousness of faith never ask the question, Where is God? Where is Jesus? Where is this Savior? Who's going to go get him? Where is he at? Did he really come? Is he in... It's, it- uh, it's good you bring that up because I have my Bible app has footnotes in it and it says, uh, tell me I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> little prideful there. Scott. <laughs> oh, I want confirmation. <laughs> <laughs> no, it says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. And then it has a footnote that is to bring Christ down Yeah. or who will descend into the abyss. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. Right. So but what does it say? Exactly. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. Right. So so the faith movement, the the new the gospel, the true gospel of faith says um, God's here or Jesus is here. He's with me. Um, and in this in verse eight. But what does it say? And that's pointing back to the, the righteousness based on faith. It says this, the word, which is the rhema word. That's not logos and i'll talk about that in just a second this is the rima word that is like um the thing that we say right um the thing that we declare the thing that we that you can actually hear with your ears yes and and it's something that people verbally it's like the language it's like the spoken language right um the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart the word of faith because okay now this is almost reversed, and this is a little bit tricky because Paul says, I believe the things first that are contingent on the things next. All right, you with me? All right, because I'm going to try and explain that. Verse 9 says, because, how's the word near us? How's the word on our mouth? How's the word in us? How are we not like depending on someone to come or depending on someone to, how, are, how do we have faith that it's already happened? Here's why. Because if you confess that's not verbal. It is part of that, right? It is It is part of verbal confession. That's why I'm okay with the prayers. Like, we do need to confess that. But in the Greek, it actually means to admit guilt, to agree, to declare. It doesn't always mean profess. There is a word for profess, and it's a root word to this. But to confess here actually means you have to come to a place, 
where you know your self-righteousness ain't going to do it, where you know that Jesus is the is Savior, that you know um, you on your own can't do it. Right. When you get to that place and then you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that right there you could spend six months discussing. Because when someone gets to a point where they say, I admit Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of Yahweh God, of Israel, of Isaac, uh, Abraham, Jacob, when someone says, I come into agreement that not only he was here, but also he is Lord. Big difference. What we kind of, what, what I would like to warn people is that just confessing it or just professing it means nothing. Right. Um, Muhammad professed that Jesus was a prophet. Um, all of the other religions really of the world profess that Jesus lived. He did die. He was a prophet. But even, for, even atheists. Yes. Intelligent atheists will say historically yeah. Jesus was an actual person who lived and died. But this is different. The confess is not profess. Correct. Confess is like you are almost beside yourself like, yes, you are. <laughs> I hate that. I promise I don't live in the, in the hood. <laughs> it may seem like that the past couple episodes from that. I don't know what that we'll, was. We'll figure that out. Above a truck. But, um, all right, so. Th- this is almost like a uh, confessing in a courtroom. It is admission. Well, it means a couple different things. Like you're. you like, I'm guilty. I did it. Right. That is part of it. Um, also, it An means understanding itself, of yes, that guilt. Yes. And also, so you take that, I'm guilty. You're confessing you're the one who did it. Right. Now, this is taking that same confession and saying he's the one who did it. <laughs> oh, that's good. You see it? That's good. You see it? That's the difference. Um, we do need to repent. Oh, almost like a, I'm guilty of the sin, but he paid the price yes, of it, basically. Yes, I'm guilty. That's half of it. But he took it. But he's the one who fixed it. Right. He's yeah, my yeah, yeah. Lord now. Right. Okay. Now, he's the one who took all my sin, nailed it to the cross, uh, scarred his body, died a sinner's death, rose from the grave, seated on high, many, many, many more things. But now you go from professing he lived to confessing he's Lord. Big difference. Right. Big difference. Huge difference. Huge difference. Okay, but there's more (laughs) because Paul's amazing. He's a wordsmith. There's more. So here's step one. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And, right, another connector, believe. Now that, that word is even more powerful than confess. That's the Greek word pistu or it has the, the root of pistis, which yes. is faith. Yes. Right? I've studied this word before yes. in other studies. Yes. And it's so powerful um, because it really, if you break it down, it has a couple different things. But really what it means is to place trust or place confidence in. And it brings about a change. That's a huge thing. Now, let me, let me explain what I mean and what Paul is talking about. For someone to say, I confess my guilt. I confess Jesus is Lord. And to be so confident in that, that now they're placing all of their faith in that. It's like going to uh, Vegas and you got a million dollars. It's the only money you'll ever get in your life. And you place it all on black. You really have to have some faith that that's going to hit because that's all you got, bro. That's all you got. And if you want to really fulfill this statement, not only does someone have to say, I'm guilty, he, he took my place. They also have to say, I'm putting all of my trust, all of my confidence, all of my faith, pistis as the root word, 
in the fact that he's the one who can fix it. That sometimes goes missing. We get the profession and we treat it as a confession and we never ask the person if their faith was placed on Jesus. We just say, do you profess this? And the answer is sure. And you know what James says? So do the demons. Right. So do the demons. And they tremble. <laughs> they tremble. So if, if this isn't understood properly, we will have a lot of people professing and never making it to heaven. And that's an issue, bro. That's, that was the biggest thing. When I finally came to the Lord and I understood this, my biggest heart's burden was on those people who've professed it. Someone comes along and says, amen, bro, you're a Christian now. Let's start serving. And deep down inside, they have no idea what they did. Right. No idea. Right. And you know how you can tell? Because pistu, the Greek word for believe, indicates that if there is no change, there is no change. <laughs> Pretty simple. Bro, if someone puts all of their faith in Jesus Christ as the Lord, don't you think they're going to want that lifestyle that he has? Right. Right. They're going to at least want to know more about him. Right. They're going to at least want to know what he wants them to do. They're not just going to be like, bet. <laughs> Save now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hit me up. I'll be doing my own thing still. I'll be completely the same. But now I just, I'm, I call myself a Christian. We can't do that. No. There's more. Not at all. Okay. So believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Now, why does it matter that we believe that God raised him from the dead? Well, this might be controversial, but God wants us to reconcile us to him through Jesus. Through Jesus. Jesus, we worship and we thank him for his sacrifice as the, the, the living son of God on earth. But it's the Godhead in heaven that really wants us, okay? So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. No one kill me, but it was never really Jesus. Jesus was the name God the Son took on earth. Right? right? So we we worship Jesus. We thank Jesus. He's so great to us. Look at the sacrifice he made. But it's really the God who's trying to redeem all his children back. So if we confess, let's say, let's say we really do confess our guilt, and Jesus was the one that died for us. And let's say we really do place all our faith in him. Well, if our faith is not placed also in the fact that he rose from the grave, we've just placed all of our faith, and we've made a very large confession in a dead religion. And that's a problem. Agreed. Him raising is just as important as him dying. Nay, maybe more. One hundred percent agree with you maybe that more. it's more important. Yeah, because it shows his deity. This is why Catholics. Why do I always harp on Catholics? I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like they're con they're confused, they're tricking so many people. <laughs> but when they have Jesus on the cross, Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. We love you. But He got up, and if He didn't, the religion's dead. Right. He has to be alive for this to make sense. Right. No. 100%. He has to be alive for this to make sense. Let me just make sure, because I think that's, that's it. That's why on Easter we say he has risen. Yes, exactly. Because that is the miracle. Let me give you a couple cross references here for anyone who's interested. Romans 1.16 is a cross reference. It talks about the gospel, how Paul's not ashamed of the gospel, because the gospel is the power of salvation from God to the pistu believer right? The changed believer. Yes. It helps people change. Like it's the power of, of change. It's the power of salvation. It's God's power that he gives to us. Another cross reference is Matthew ten thirty two. Jesus says, you must confess that I am the Lord. And that is the, he's the, the savior. You must. So for someone that says confession and believing, 
has to take place. I see it in different parts of Scripture where sometimes it's just confession. But I think a true confession is also believing. 100%. And I think believing without confession may not hold the same weight. Because if you believe and never say anything about it, like, unless you're deaf, maybe. I mean, <laughs> I want to give that as, a, as an out because that's true. Deaf people can find Christ by just belief. But I think they're going to have some type of reaction or expression as well. So let's be careful with this promise that someone is saved by profession uh, when really it takes confession and also it takes a pistu belief, not not like a, can you believe I went to Checkers today and they had three burgers for $6? Like, yeah, okay, I <laughs> okay. believe that. Yeah, yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. This is a different belief. Um, yeah, this is a... This is a belief that, like you said, results in change. Yes. And I think it goes back to that change will be pretty much a reflection of the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit that you produce in your life after finding Christ. It's like that parable of um, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. A man found a field with buried treasure in it. It It didn't say a word, but he went and sold everything he had. Everything. Everything. Everything so he, he could, had. So he could buy the So he land. could buy the field with the treasure in it. He didn't go buy, like, a, uh, let me make sure I get a couch and let me make sure I get a pillow and a refrigerator. Like, let me get my own earthly necessities. The Bible says he sold everything because he realized how valuable the Completely treasure was. sold out. That's pissed too. Right. right. And we have to be clear about that. Right. That's why we got to walk with people. After they make their confession, amen, that's the start. Let's see. Let's see where it goes from here. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, if, I, I completely... If we tell um, people, you're saved right now, well, we haven't seen a change, have we? I mean, it's not just profession. That's that's my main point. No, I completely agree with you. I mean, I think the big church as a whole, like the big C church, whatever word you want to use, um, some churches have gotten very bad about allowing people to come in and, okay, here's our you know salvation call. Okay, you're saved. All right, have a great week. Exactly. Well, what's next? Exactly. I'll see you next Sunday. No, well, Man, I what what do I do for the rest of the week now? I preached at a church one time. Um, first of all, I would like to see if we can make the past tense of preach prot. I just I don't know why. <laughs> I just think that's the best way to say it. If I prot at a church one time, kind of like he people preached would and taught at the same time. Okay, yeah. Or it just seems past tense. Like, man, he really prot good on Friday. But I know that's not going to work. I just if we can change that, that'd be great. So. I pro at this church one time, and uh, that'll be a SB only type thing. Yeah, and and basically the message was, um, I got saved when I was young, and someone asked me years later what I received at salvation, and all I had was a selfie from the day that I said this prayer. I had nothing else, no change, no fruit, no pruning, no nothing, and it's because I was never saved. Right. I said a prayer, and a prayer is great. We, we have to confess a prayer is great. If someone believes that prayer, man, now we're cooking. Now we're, yeah. <laughs> now we're cooking. Right. So that's all I got. I don't, I'm sorry if that was too long. No, I think good. that was about, how long do you know? I have no clue. 15 minutes? You're good. <clears throat> okay. So for this, uh, this episode, I have Ephesians 1, 11 through 14. Nice. going to read it right out in him we also have obtained an inheritance 
having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things in accordance with the plan of his will. To the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of the promise who is the first who is a first installment of our inheritance in regard to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. We got to end with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Yeah, I left that (laughs) off. That's all right. I got you. But you got me. I got you. Um, In him, we have redemption through his blood, bro. This, oh, this one was, tell me good news about this. Don't burst my bubble because I love this chapter. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's not bad news. This is um, this uh, this one kind of threw me for a loop because when I was reading it, I was like, "Man, fourteen is kind of hard in the English to like." Who is the get? So this this uh, what I just read is I believe from the NASB and. This copy is from the ESV. So on 14, it says, Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it? Right. To the praise of his glory. Uh, So throughout Ephesians, Paul is just kind of explaining what Christ has done for us, right? And what these promises are. Uh, We've obtained an inheritance. We're predestined according to him who works all things in accordance with the plan of his will. I think that reads differently. Uh, Yeah, so the ESV says according to the counsel of his will. Mm -hmm. What, What I took out of this, he's promised an inheritance he is uh, works all things according to his will it is not God I need you to do this for me I need you to do that for me it's his will the Lord's will Um, and this this is for Christians who pissed this in Christ as the Messiah. Now, we have to remember that Paul is writing to Messianic Jews here. That's correct. I'm glad you said that. These are converted Jews who have become Christians uh, between 60 and 80 AD. So about 50 years after Christ's death and resurrection. These these Messianic Jews... um, they're having a hard time comprehending that Gentiles can be chosen people now. And basically, Paul is making the, the argument here uh, that the Gentiles can now become part of the fold. Yeah. And that's, that's really, this kind of ties into the last episode where with Jeremiah 29, 11, God, we, we spoke about God, you know, prospering his people and bringing them out of exile and and such now we're a part of his chosen people once you've chosen christ 
And that's the promise, is that you now belong to Yahweh, the God of the universe, who all the Old Testament promises were for his chosen people, the Jews. Well, you've now become in part of, you have been, you've been grafted in to the chosen people Amen. of Yahweh. Like how powerful is that promise that you're now a part of the chosen people because you chose him? It just kind of blew my mind a little bit. I was like, okay. Um, I did have some notes here uh, about this is that in this section, Paul is literally laying out the gospel. (laughs) Like you chose Christ. Now you are part of God's chosen people. I I can't repeat that enough. Like it just, it's so powerful to think that. Sets you free. It does. It really does. And um, one of the notes I took is that uh, I'm just going to read what I wrote. He is laying out the full doctrine of Christianity in this text. Ultimately, these passages are the theology of Christianity. Paul goes on to explain here the power of God through raising Christ from the dead. This is essential to understanding the lordship of lordship of Christ the Messiah. Paul believes it's practical to understand it clearly just how powerful God is. And and in the first couple chapters of Ephesians, that's exactly what Paul is laying out. Um, Another note, I took this from gotquestions.org. I thought this was, I thought this was really good. I didn't know a better way to, to, to to change it. Um, They said the practical application of what Paul is saying here is, Perhaps more than any other book of the Bible, the book of Ephesians emphasizes the connection between sound doctrine and right practice in the Christian life. Far too many people ignore theology and instead want to only discuss things that are practical. In Ephesians, Paul argues that theology is practical. In order to live out God's will for us in our lives, practically, we must first understand who we are in Christ doctrinally. Which... It's so funny because you just finished talking about this. Yeah. (laughs) A house built on sand, excuse me, a house built on sand, you know what happens when the storm comes? It washes away. It washes away. If your foundation ain't right, bro, you're you're thrown to the wolves daily, daily. But if you got a well that don't run dry, bro, and you can go dip in that every time you're thirsty, come on, man. But I mean, to your analogy, uh, when you go to the, I mean, we live in Florida. You've been to the beach before. Unfortunately. (laughs) Trash. I hate sand too. But when the, there is a wave every 10 seconds, it comes up. No matter what you put on the edge of the beach, washed away in every 10 seconds, right? You could run out there and rewrite it every 10 seconds. Here comes another wave and it's gone. Yeah. That's that's building your life on sand. Yeah. You're constantly trying to write your life every Ooh, 10 seconds. That's a good one. And there here comes a wave. And yeah. those those waves are little. Yeah. They're not big waves. It doesn't take much to erase whatever you write in the sand yeah. on the beach. Can we tie something but, together? But Go ahead. If there's rocks there, the rock of life, yeah. Jesus, th- that those little waves don't even get half of it wet. That's true. And the big waves don't even move it. Yeah. Hurricanes come through and don't even move those rocks. 
That is the rock of Jesus. Amen. All right, so let's take uh, first episode. Uh, I know the plans you've had for me. Okay, let's take your beach analogy because it's good. And you go out there and you write prosperous, um, right? And you're all excited. You're like, yeah, I'm prosperous. You go back, eat a sandwich, comes back, and it's gone. It's gone. You're like, wait, well, hold on, what am I again? What, you know, wait, oh, yeah, 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 prosperous. You write it again. I mean, that's essentially without doctrine. There's a lot of churches that say doctrine's boring and it's stuffy and like, uh, well, I'm here to tell you, bro, um, I get through a lot of things in life based on truth. Right. Because as we've discussed before, there's a lot of lies in my head. There's a lot of lies on TV. There's a lot of lies on social media and in the world, man. Um, it's like the wheat and the tares. You remember that parable? Every wheat that goes up, there's a tear right next to it. Right next trying to Trying to bring it down. And if we don't have truth, we will settle for anything that sounds like it. And that's Satan's main thing well, is twisting scripture. Deception, yes. right. He'll give right. you a little bit. Oh, hey, uh, let me see something that Satan might say. 99% truth is still a lie. That's right. Who said that? I don't so, know. Someone that you know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anything else? No. That was a good one. That, that was good. Ephesians, I mean, look at my So Bible. good. Oh, I know. Um, so good. Ephesians you can bank on if you ever get caught up in um something you know and, and it's heavy and philippians that's why i chose that one ephesians that's a great one amen um, anything in galatians is once someone really gets the gospel that's all you need is the gospel that's right. it right that's all you need right and now you understand the whole bible is the gospel right it's just different facets of it and it's it's a wonderful thing amen i already did mine right <laughs> These are running together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. That was that was the second part of episode two. Right. Cool. We are good. Good one.